I borrow my title tonight from a best-selling business book by a guy named Jonah Berger. And I borrow my subject from the constant media reports that we've all been subject to over the past week. Every person is talking about it. Every organization is concerned about it. Every leader is reacting to it. Every government is fearful of it. And every nation is responding to it. The words pandemic, epidemic, infectious, outbreak, disease, virus, and contagious are on everyone's lips. COVID-19 or the coronavirus, that was on our radar many, many weeks before the current crisis in Canada because we have a wonderful daughter church in Guangzhou, China. And for weeks now, they have experienced the kind of restrictions and disruptions in their daily life and in their nation and in their church gatherings that we are just now beginning to see here in Canada. Our own government has taken some drastic, unprecedented measures in recent days, and that includes one measure that directly impacts our church services, and it's why we're online only today. We're online only until further notice because the government has given a directive that any non-essential mass gathering of 150 or more people is to be canceled or postponed. And although this is only a recommendation at this point, and although the outbreak in our province, I got to tell you, for all you people that, uh, you know, you have Pentecostal panic attacks and your worry warts and whatever, uh, the outbreak in our province is statistically negligible at this point. It's one person in 777,000 people or 0.00000129%. I calculated that today. But we've still chosen, although it's statistically neg negligible, We've still chosen to comply with the recommendation for these reasons. Number one, we feel like the church should be part of the solution and not add to the problem. And secondly, we are rightly concerned about many of you that are watching online tonight, some of the most vulnerable members of our congregation, our seniors and those that are, are sick and shut in. And so we're concerned about you tonight, and that's why we're doing this. And thirdly, the Bible teaches us to always cooperate with those in authority and to obey those that have the rule over us as long as the government doesn't infringe on biblical mandates. But that doesn't stop kind of the, the media. The media can be a great help during a time like this, but the media can also give us a lot of hype during a time like this. And while um, caution is certainly well advised, Hysteria and panic and fear is not helpful and it's not biblical either. We choose at this time to be careful but not fearful because our God is still on the throne and the blood of Jesus still saves and heals and the devil is still defeated and the church is still victorious. They sang it, I'll read it, Isaiah 43. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's a great promise from God. God said, I'll be with you no matter what you face and no matter where you are and no matter what you're walking through. 
Exodus. I already referenced this one, but in chapter 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And God said to Israel, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now that is just Old Testament. If an Old Testament people serving God for physical promises could get a promise like that, a New Testament spiritual people, we've got an even greater promise because now it's not the blood of a lamb that shed and put on a door. Now it's the blood of Jesus Christ that is shed for the church and the blood has power. And I'm praying for our church family that the blood of Jesus covers us and the blood of Jesus protects us. And I'm praying that for you, whoever you are, wherever you're watching and whatever you're doing right now. Isaiah chapter 41 God spoke through the prophet and said, For I, the Lord thy God, I will hold your right hand, saying unto thee, what a word, fear not, I will help thee. In the Psalms, David writes, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear. We would just say, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. Even though the earth is removed and even though the mountains are carried off into the midst of the sea, in other words, if the worst case scenario unfolds, I will not fear because God is my refuge if everything else falls apart. God is my strength even when everything around me is weakness and so I will not fear. And then in the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy. This, by the way, is the last letter Paul ever writes on this earth. And he writes to his young protege, Timothy. And here's what he says. Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We can be careful without being fearful. We can be cautious about certain things and help everybody to arrest the spread of this virus without losing our mind in fear and panic and paranoia and hysteria because God is still in control. He has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. I pause tonight to say that we are very grateful for our politicians and our medical leaders who undoubtedly have our best interests at heart at this time with the directives they are giving. We are not among those who are criticizing your efforts and trying to score cheap political points against you. Instead, we are praying that the Lord God will grant you wisdom to make good decisions. And for those of you that are working with our sick and elderly, that God will give you protection as you deal with this crisis. The church is your best friend and we are praying for you and we will continue to be praying for you until we see this crisis through. I also pause tonight to mention our evangelists and our missionaries. They travel from church to church to support their ministry and their mission. They've had many services canceled even just over the last week because of the coronavirus. And right now, as you know, there's no end in sight. We don't know when it will be over. So yes, we do need to pray for them, our evangelists and our missionaries. But after we get up off our knees from praying for them, we need to act after we've prayed. So don't wait to get back to the church building because you don't know when that's gonna be and we don't. You know that CCC, your church, will do our part 
But let God at this time speak to you personally about maybe sending a personal offering to an evangelist or a missionary that's doing a great work for God. I promise you, God will bless you. And as a pastor of this church, if you're part of CCC, we release you to do that because we know the blessing of God will be on you. You can give that offering to anybody, any evangelist, any missionary. You can give it online. Uh, you can give it by mail. Uh, we'll get it to the right place. You can be a great blessing to some of God's great servants at this time. And finally, I pause to say this. If you are watching CCC online today from somewhere else, you please remember that you have a responsibility to your pastor and to your church during this time. Don't slack off in praying for your pastor and don't slack off in financially supporting your church. Figure out how you can get your offering or your tithes to your church. Figure out how you can get together with maybe a couple other believers and pray for your pastor. Uh, don't lose ground just because you're temporarily restricted from gathering together and attending service in a church building. And the second those doors are back open in every church in our province and far beyond, I hope you will be running to get back to church and running to get in your place and running to the altar and running to worship God. And I would say that I'm very proud of our music and our tech teams today. Uh, they have made today possible. And I'm also very thankful for our pastoral team who helped me make the difficult decision to shut down our in-house services today. Because I'm just going to be honest, this is an unusual time, an unusual day, an unusual setting, and this is a really unusual message. i got to be honest with you. As a pastor, I really struggled with this decision. I was probably the one on the team. I'm the oldest, so I was probably the one who was most stubbornly against it from the beginning. Because just being honest, I don't like this situation at all. Certainly not when the Bible commands us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. I almost called this sermon tonight, I was sad when they said unto me, we can't go into the house of the Lord. That was my title, but it was too long for the PowerPoint. And you never know, though, I may figure it out and preach that next week. I just might. Please hear me out before you tune me out. My gut instinct, my personal preference my natural bias, my heart's desire is to always have church. I know we're the church, and I know this building and other buildings are not the church, but there's something about having church gathering together. That's not because I'm a pastor. That's because I'm a Christian. It's because I don't just love God. I love God's people, and I love God's house now, I am glad that you are taking proper precautions today. And by the way, we asked you to take those proper precautions today. But I hope this situation, however long it goes and however it unfolds, I hope this situation with this virus makes you value your local church more than you ever have before in all your life. We are blessed to be able to meet together and pray together and pray for one another. And we're Pentecostals. We're apostolic. We, we believe in those scriptures that say lay hands on people. And now they said, uh-uh, you can't do that. So we're kind of like we got one high hand tied behind our back and 
We can't do anything, but I'll tell you what still works. This still works. You can still lift up your hands to God. I'll tell you what still works. This still works. You can still clap your hands to God. And so we can still just worship God in whatever place and whatever way we need to. Um, Yes, we are in a crisis this week. But can I just be honest? We're not in a crisis every week. I can't speak for you, but I do get weary, it's just a pastor talking, of able-bodied people who can get to work, get to the mall, get to school, uh, get to the grocery store, get to the restaurant, get to the fridge, and get to the TV, but the least little sickness or circumstance just keeps them away from the house of God. That, that really does wear on me. Uh, sometimes people are the first to like an announcement that says we're postponing church because of a snowstorm or whatever. And I just think, wait a minute, for you, every service is a postponed service. You hardly come. I, I, I don't understand. Now, now, hear me out. Uh, hear me out before you tune me out. Online services are necessary today. And they may be necessary for, we don't know, the foreseeable future over the next few weeks. But online services are not necessary for you as a Christian every Sunday in most cases. And the reason I say that is this. You see, I have had the opportunity to travel around the world. And I've preached to some of your brothers and sisters in many countries. And I must admit that when I leave their country which is probably not as blessed or maybe not as clean or maybe not as advanced as Canada. And I get on that plane and I take off and I head into the the clouds to come home. I must admit that I sit there in that seat and their determination to get to the house of God sometimes puts us all to shame. I've seen them arrive um, in, in, in so many ways to the house of God. I've seen them come in open dump trucks, dozens of them packed in. I've seen them riding on the top of vans, crammed with people inside, so they put the rest of the people on the the top. I've heard about them holding church services while standing in floodwaters because even though the church building was flooded, we're still going to have service. And I've watched them sit all day in services with their attention and their enthusiasm never, ever waning. And I've heard them pray fervently and sing joyously and worship with abandon for hour after hour after hour. And I've even seen videos like this one I'd like to show you tonight. It's our brothers and sisters from the nation of Panama heading to church. But in Panama, they get over 200 inches of rain every year and often the rivers will flood. But just because there's a raging torrent doesn't mean these people don't go to church. Look at this. This is amazing to me.
And then after service, they had to go home the same way. That's amazing to me. I'm glad you're taking precautions today with this virus outbreak. We asked you to take precautions, but this is an unusual time. And I hope while we're taking our precautions and we're doing church online, that somehow God would put in every one of us a hunger to get among the people of God, to be with the people of God. And by the way, you don't have to wait until we can gather with 150 people. It's still okay to gather with some of your friends or your family and get together and do something that matters for God. You can still be a witness even when we're having service online. You can still pray even when we're having service online. You can still give. You can still fast. You can still serve even when we're having service online. There's nothing like the house of God. And don't get me wrong. I think our online ministry is absolutely wonderful. It is such a blessing to those that are sick or seniors or shut-ins. It's a blessing to those that are traveling. Uh, it's a blessing to those who live far from any apostolic church. It's a blessing to many of our friends overseas. And obviously, our online ministry has been such an incredible blessing today. But it goes far beyond that. Even a small church like CCC in a small city like Fredericton, in a small province like New Brunswick, can minister to multiplied thousands of people. I checked this week, and in the last decade, more than six and a half million people have watched videos of sermons from this sanctuary right here. So I'm grateful for online. We've got 42,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and 440,000 people have watched the messages that Jeff Arnold preached preached here. And then there was one message about the end times that we did about a year and a half ago. And a quarter million people have watched that one message from this sanctuary. And that doesn't even count Facebook. And it doesn't count our live webcast. And it doesn't count all the hundreds of pastors and people that tell us they re-watch our services in their own uh, houses and churches. And they study the word of God. So I'm really grateful for online church. I really am. I do online ministry all the time. Just two weeks ago, I did a video interview with a young minister in Indiana, and I taught a class at Urshan College in Missouri, and I taught two sessions for an online-only conference that was based in the country of Spain. And the same week that that happened, a young man named Trey from South Carolina contacted me because he watched a video from this sanctuary. He watched online, and he, called, uh, he emailed me, and he said, I need to get baptized in Jesus' name because the pastor that I used to go to that church, he baptized me wrong. And you said, I need to be baptized the Bible way. So I need to get baptized in Jesus' name. And I hooked Trey up with a pastor and a church in his hometown in Pendleton, South Carolina. And this past Friday night, Trey was baptized in Jesus' name and he received the Holy Ghost coming up out of the water. I would show you the video, but it's three or four minutes long because he just got lost in the Holy Ghost and just kept praying in tongues. God did a miraculous work in his life. I'm very comfortable with online ministry, but I've got to tell you that while we're in this season, we've got to let God reignite a passion for his house and for gathering with his people because online ministry never replaces the local church. So here's my point tonight. I'm going a different direction than you think I'm going. In light of that strong conviction that I hold 
deep in my heart, in the core of my soul, that I think we should gather as much as we can. And the Bible says so much the more as we see his coming approaching. In light of that strong conviction, what in the world could ever cause a pastor like me with a stubborn streak like I have to ever comply with a government recommendation not to assemble together. For me, I can't speak for the rest of the team. They had all kinds of good feedback and I'm grateful for it. But for me, when I got reading over and over, day after day, trying to make a good decision, it was a chart. I'm a visual kind of a guy. It was a chart that finally convinced me just how serious this coronavirus actually is. At first, I was a little skeptical. Uh, I was probably one of those ones. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I didn't believe any of those weird Facebook posts or any of that. But I did kind of look at this a little skeptically, and I, I will admit that I've kind of chuckled a time or two during the last week uh, over the family in Australia that bought 12 years worth of toilet paper by mistake. Um, I, I had a good laugh over that. Uh, I thought, good for you, when the guy in Tennessee who had gone to neighboring states and bought up 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer hoping to resell it online at like 70 bucks a pop, they shut him down. I thought, good enough. I, I've had a couple of laughs. I, I've had a chuckle over some people. One pastor, he said, uh, you know, you might need to stay home and definitely wash your hands, but bring your filthy money because we'll pray over that and God will cleanse it. Just bring that in. I, I've had a chuckle over a whole lot of stuff in this crisis. But I'll tell you what did it for me that made me think this is really serious. It was this chart right here. Um, this explains in visual form how serious the coronavirus actually is. It explains in visual form what Canada and what other nations right now are trying to accomplish by restricting mass gatherings like our church services. Our healthcare system, it has a threshold. It can only cope with so many sick people at one time. After that, it gets overwhelmed. And so here's what our government and our leaders and our healthcare professionals are trying to do for us. If they can take drastic measures right now to stop the spread of the virus, then we avoid overwhelming the system. We don't go above that line. And we can keep the virus contained. That's called flattening the curve. And everybody in the media is talking about, we got to flatten the curve of this virus. We've got to spread out the infections over time by keeping away from everybody and not coughing on people and being very careful about hygiene and all of that, that's what we've got to do right now. And if we can do that, we'll avoid overwhelming the resources of our system. And here's the point. We may still see a great number of infections. We may still see a lot of people get sick. That can happen. That could happen. But by slowing the spread of the virus, we'll have enough resources to take care of those people when they get sick. That's flattening the curve. But if we don't implement those dramatic measures, there could be a sudden spike in infections. It could go off the chart. And what would happen is it would overwhelm our ability to take care of sick people. And so that's what our leaders are asking us now. And that's the chart right there. That's the chart that finally kind of convinced me, you know what, Woodward, you need to take this very serious. Our response right now is everything because our response now affects everything that happens from this point 
onward. That's where we are. In the world of epidemiology, which is the study of epidemics, this spike in sickness cases is called the tipping point. It's the moment in an epidemic or a pandemic when a virus reaches critical mass and medicine can no longer keep it contained. We don't want to get anywhere near that. It's the threshold of something that's unprecedented, maybe frightening. It's the boiling point. It's the moment on the graph when the line shoots straight upward and things get out of control. It's a contagious infection. That's what it is. It's insurmountable momentum. That's what we're trying to avoid. We don't want our medical system to be overwhelmed and overrun with the coronavirus. And that is why we made the decision to cooperate and be online only for service today. We don't want that to happen with this virus. But maybe we do want that to happen in some other areas of our lives. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. You would never think this, but maybe what we need in this time of sickness and epidemics and pandemics and contagion, maybe what we need is a little bit of repenting and a little bit of humbling and a little bit of praying. Maybe that would help us a whole lot. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock, the knowledge of me, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And he said, I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's what Jesus said about his disciples and to his disciples. That if you'll pray, if you'll ask, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll repent, the gates of hell cannot prevail against a people that decide to unify in prayer, a people that decide to unify for a request before God. You see, just like the coronavirus, our real enemy is unseen. It's invisible. It's the devil. And the devil in the end times has marshaled all the resources of hell to try and draw a line and try to keep the church down. Try to keep the church kind of leveled out and sedate and calm and just do services as usual and just do business as usual. And the devil can handle church as usual. The devil can handle business as usual. The devil can handle normal levels of conviction and normal levels of dedication and normal levels of consecration. He can handle that. He's got used to us. He can kind of keep the cap on us if we just kind of spread out our dedication and spread out our, our consecration and spread out our prayer. And we're not too concerned and we're not too intense and we're not too focused. But if the church ever decides that all at once they're going to gang up on hell, all at once they're going to pray together, all at once they're going to unite, all at once they're going to call on God, all at once they're going to beg heaven to to come down and his kingdom come and his will be done. What happens is all of a sudden when we all get together, we overwhelm the defenses of hell. We overwhelm the resources of hell. We overwhelm the councils and the gates and the strategies of hell when God's people get together. So we don't want that with this crazy virus, but I'll tell you what we do need. We need that when it comes to the kingdom of God. We need God's people to unite together in such numbers, in such intensity, all 
all at once that all of a sudden hell is just overrun and overwhelmed and people are snatched out of sin and backsliders are pulled back into their destiny and God releases the miraculous in his church. The devil is trying to keep the church down, to flatten the curve of revival and prayer and a harvest. And he's trying to convince us we can never go higher than the line that he's set. We can never accomplish more. We can never be more for God. But the church has a secret weapon, and that weapon is prayer. That weapon is contagious. That weapon is if one can catch on fire, two can catch on fire. If one can have revival, two can have revival. The church has a secret weapon and the weapon is prayer. If enough of us pray at the same time for the same thing with the same intensity, we can overwhelm the defenses of hell and we can have a contagious outbreak of revival in this city, in your city, in your family, in your life, in your home. Normal Christianity won't do it. Average Christianity won't do it. But an epidemic of the apostolic will do it. A pandemic of the Pentecostal will do it. That's what we need. There is a tipping point in prayer. I'm going to ask the team to come back. There's a tipping point in prayer. There, there's a point where it goes off the chart. There, there's a point where God's people gang up on hell and say enough is enough is enough. We're going to pray until we pray your kingdom down, Satan. There's a tipping point in prayer. It can totally alter your family. It can totally alter your life. It can totally alter any individual. It can totally alter churches and cities. It's the threshold of God's glory. And if enough of us will pray, if enough of us will push, if enough of us will believe, if enough of us will beseech God, it's that moment in time when it goes off the charts and the devil's defenses are overwhelmed. That is the moment. That is the epidemic of prayer that changes every moment to come. It is a contagious hunger for God's presence and power. Don't lose your hunger for God's presence and power just because you're not in this building tonight. Don't lose your hunger, your desire to be in God's presence and power just because you're watching this service on a screen. You've gotta have a hunger for his power. You've gotta have a hunger for his presence. And if enough of God's people ever decide, I am tired of being held down. I am tired of normal. I am tired of being kept under by the devil. I am going to get together. I am going to unite. I am going to believe if enough of God's people decide to do that, hell, it is no contest. Hell is overwhelmed. Hell is defeated. Hell cannot cope with an epidemic of the apostolic. And I would say we can't survive without that. We were born as a movement on the day of Pentecost. And then in this century, early back in the, ninth, in the, in the early part of the 1900s, our elders and pioneers, they gave God their all. They got together and prayed until God heard and God intervened. That's what we need. The apostolic church has an incredible advantage in prayer because we can pray in the Spirit. And when we pray in the Spirit, 
we don't even know what we're praying for. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, the Spirit helps our infirmities. We don't even know what we should be praying for or how to pray. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a secret weapon in prayer. You can pray in powerful ways. And I'll end here tonight. And I thank you for joining us online. But I want to leave you with this thought. There was a man in the New Testament. He wasn't apostolic. He wasn't Pentecostal. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't even know the true God of the Jews, Jehovah. But he was a good man. But more than that, he was a hungry man. He desired something beyond his everyday life. He desired something beyond where he was right now. He desired something that would take him out of normal and propel him into something better, something greater. He was hungry. His name was Cornelius. He worked as a centurion for the Roman government. He was the most unlikely person that you would think would ever have a hunger for God, but he did. The Bible tells us he prayed always. And so God sent Cornelius a vision and hooked him up with an apostolic preacher who came and preached the gospel to him. But here's what I'd like to show you. When God sent that vision to Cornelius, Acts 10 verse 4, when he looked on that angel, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. You've prayed so much and so long and so consistent and with such fervency. Your prayers and your alms have piled up before God. And God finally said, you know what? I got to do something for Cornelius. He's prayed so much and so long and so great. I got to do something for him. Cornelius, you prayed enough. You prayed fervently enough that God in heaven said, I have no choice but to answer Cornelius' prayer. You know what Cornelius did? This is what he did. He piled up prayer until there was no other option. He piled up prayer until there was no other direction. He piled up prayer until there was no other outcome. And if a man that was a pagan Roman soldier could do that, you know that an apostolic believer can do that. You can be faithful in prayer. You can be fervent in prayer. You can be consistent and determined in prayer and keep taking your request to God. And if enough of us do that, and if enough of us unite together and if enough of us pray those prayers God will hear and hell will be overwhelmed outgunned outnumbered outmanned hell's defenses are no match for effectual fervent prayer I cannot speak for you but for me I want to be contagious with the Holy Ghost I want the passion that's in me for God to be contagious so that other people catch it you know, we need to be careful about the coronavirus. I'll tell you what we don't need to be careful about. You don't need to be careful about your witness. You don't need to be careful about your prayer life. You don't need to be careful about being a servant. You don't need to be careful about showing your light to other people. You need to let that shine. You need to be a contagious apostolic. I want my one and only life to count for God's kingdom. And that's why, even at a time like this, when it's a little of a unique time and we're meeting in an odd way tonight. 
you still need your church family, even though you're not physically with them in this building. We need to keep on praying. We need to stay united and beseeching God for revival, praying for the people that we know need miracles. Because if we'll unite together, the Holy Ghost will go viral. It will get contagious. And we can unite in prayer even when we're not in the same location. You know that because we do it for our missionaries around the world every week of the year. So let's pray that God can use this situation, this horrible virus, the fear and the pandemonium around the world, this terrible epidemic, this pandemic. Let's pray that God can use this for the ultimate good of the nations and the countries that right now are suffering. That's what we need to pray. But we also need to pray something even more important because you can get sick with a disease. You could even die and go to heaven. But we need to pray for people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. We need to be contagious enough to let them see him in us. That's what we need. I want to be contagious. I want to go viral for Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back right now, and I'm going to ask them to sing that song because there is no need to fear or be afraid. There is no need to panic at a time like this. There is no need for us to act like the world and be confused and be terrorized about this because we know who's in control. We know who's got this world, all of us, in his hand. We don't know all the causes and we don't know all the solutions, but we serve a God that can sustain us through the trial and a God that can give us the answer. So one more time, would you join the worship team in singing this great song and then we're gonna pray before we dismiss tonight. Let's sing together. Thank God for his presence. When I walk through the water, I won't be
pray right now if you would join me wherever you are. If you just talk to Jesus with me right now. Lord God, I thank you for the promise of your word. A songwriter wrote what we just sang. But your prophet Isaiah penned it in scripture that we do not have to be afraid no matter what we are walking through. And so I thank you, Jesus, for everybody that's joined us online tonight. This was our option today so we could have some kind of fellowship and some kind of word and some kind of worship. It's not the same as being all together, but it surely is good to feel your presence in our homes, in our cars, and in this building. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've privileged us as a church to have the technology that we can keep in touch even at a time like this. But God, that technology is not enough. So I pray, God, that you'd stir up a passion and a hunger in your people. I pray, God, that somebody that has been a little maybe disconnected from church, God, this time they'd realize, my goodness, when I don't have the option to go, I realize how much I need it and how much I miss it. Jesus, I pray that your blood would cover the homes of your people, our families, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors. God, protect little Fredericton from the uh, onslaught of this virus. Protect New Brunswick and God around the world. I thank you that there's a couple of countries where it looks like it's turning. Help us to get there quickly all around the world. Help us to flatten that curve with this virus. But Jesus, I'm praying that while we're asking you to stem and stanch the outbreak of this virus and flatten that curve, God, don't flatten the curve on prayer. We're going to push together. We're going to unite together. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. We're going to ask together. And God, we want you to use us to overwhelm the forces of darkness that keep people bound and tie people up and hold people down. Jesus, I pray that you would use your people at this time to be a witness in their neighborhood, a witness on their job, a witness wherever they are, God. People are concerned. People are fearful. People have questions. People are very, very afraid. God, let your people walk in an anointing. Let them walk in a confidence. Let them walk, God, with that glow of the Holy Ghost on them so that somebody else can be touched and ministered to in this time when it's so fearful and so tumultuous. Let us be contagious with your spirit, contagious with your love, contagious with your grace and mercy. Jesus, we ask all these things in the greatest name, the only name, and the name we love. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Sing with us one more time. Thank you for joining us tonight for our service. We'll be back online for service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And I hope you'll be in your place to join with us. Let's sing. <laughs>